At Behind the Seed podcast, we explore the changing ways we feed the world. We talk tech, research and how it will affect paddocks near you. I'm Bridget Smith, a former rural journalist and your host. From my experience in agriculture, Twitter is one of one of the most powerful tools that agricultural businesses and farmers alike, all in business, can use to, to communicate quite effectively with each other. Justin Kudnig is not your average canola scientist. When he isn't traversing farms and attending research conferences and workshops, he's a passionate and prolific social media user. Justin knows the advantage of engaging on platforms such as Twitter, where he communicates with farmers, agronomists, business leaders and customers on the benefits of planting hybrid canola. He launched his Twitter account four years ago and what he noticed was that it wasn't just the younger generation engaged on social media, but the more experienced. He now sees social media as an integral part of his business as the National Canola Business Manager for Pacific Seeds. Justin, what is it about social media that you can't do through normal business channels? I think one of the important things about social media is over and above all the other marketing and promotional information that you can um, put out into the industry, is social media is a lot more personal and you can have more contact with more farmers, agronomists and people in the industry about a whole range of topics. So when you first started on Twitter, what was it that most appealed to you about that particular platform? What, what appealed mostly was the fact that you could actually directly communicate with growers and industry people on a whole range of uh, aspects of their farming and and their livelihoods and to be able to converse with them online and ask opinions and and seek advice as, as well as provide advice at the same time. How important is it, do you think, that the agricultural sector engages on social media? Look, I think it's really important that Everybody in agriculture engages in social media in one way or another. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, Twitter. It can be other forms of social media. But from my experience in agriculture, Twitter is one of one of the most powerful tools that agricultural businesses and farmers alike, all in business, can use to, to communicate quite effectively with each other. And how has it helped your business? Certainly what we've noticed over the last four years is, is a much bigger interest from growers and agronomists to converse online, either through their iPads or phones or on computers at home, and to ask questions that they may not ask at a field day or at a meeting, and they'll actually converse with you on Twitter and ask questions and even send you photos on, on what it is that they want um, some answers for. Did you find it initially a difficult platform um, to integrate into your day or were you ready for the uptake of social media? No, it was certainly difficult. It was new. Um, I, was, I was very aware of a lot of things that uh, the internet has to offer, but social media platforms was a new challenge for me and it's it's been a new challenge for quite a few of Pacific Seeds personnel to get used to uh, going on there each day to make sure that you're looking at what, how people have communicated with you, whether there's been any correspondence and then then responding in an appropriate form so that you can give them some valuable advice or send them some photos. For what, for, for what it is they're discussing with. Justin, you were raised on a horticultural farm in the Atherton Tablelands. Was farming always going to be in your future? Um, I think it was. I think um, one thing I learned when I was growing up is that 
um, agriculture is such a vital thing for food food security and for for people's livelihoods. Without farming and without agriculture, we don't have society effectively. So as I went through growing up on the farm and then studying agriculture, both at high school and at university, it certainly was my passion and, and still is. What was it about canola that attracted you to this segment of the industry? Uh, canola is an interesting crop. I came from the sunflower industry, um, and that's obviously still in the in the base oil seeds in Australia, and went to effectively a much bigger crop, which is canola. So you deal with a lot more farmers across a lot bigger area of Australia who are also growing a wide range of other crops to rotate with canola. So canola, to me, was not only about a source of food and energy for people and for animals, but also it was part of rotations for farmers to make sure that they had alternative crops other than cereals or pulses. How has um, canola grown in Australia since you started in the game? I started over 25 years ago in canola, where the industry was less than 400,000 hectares. And I spent, uh, let's just say, the first couple of years of my career in Canola uh, doing um, thousands of field days across Australia and talking to lots of farmers and agronomists. And as the industry has evolved and new technologies have come in and new farming practices and new requirements for crop rotations, the Canola industry has grown from less than 400,000 hectares to now around about 2.4 million hectares across Australia. And what's really propelled that growth? Several things have propelled canola's growth in Australia. The first one was the fact that canola could be used in crop rotations with cereals, and it was proven scientifically the benefits of having a break crop, a, a brassica break crop like canola, to reduce the amount of disease in cereals in subsequent crops. Once that was established and a lot of growers started to see the benefits of having canola in their rotations, the area of canola increased quite dramatically. That was probably the first thing that made growers grow more canola. What were some of the other factors? Okay, the second thing was the advent of herbicide tolerance. Uh, originally, canola varieties had no distinct herbicide tolerance bred into their backgrounds, into the genetics. So it was actually quite limited for growers as to what weeds they could or could not control in their canola crops. But as herbicide tolerant varieties were developed by different seed companies and the department and the public breeding programs early in the canola industry's history, um, there have now been four different herbicide tolerances introduced into canola germplasm that are released as varieties for Australian farmers to use in their crop rotations. And this has effectively enabled the use, strategic use of herbicides in their canola crops to keep their paddocks clean of weeds and reduce the weed burden on their following cereal crops. So that's a pretty big um, development, isn't it? It's a huge development and it's enabled not only cost savings within the canola crop itself and increased yields, but also savings in subsequent crops after canola. And it sets up what we call long-range planning or long-range farm planning for, for a lot of farmers across Australia. Behind the Seed podcast is proudly brought to you by Pacific Seeds, breeding, producing and supplying leading broadacre seed solutions. Now, Justin, you've travelled extensively. Where have you travelled um, and how do they do things differently in other parts of the world? 
certainly. I've, I've travelled through uh, Canada and the US, um, Iran, Europe, South America. And there's a lot of uh, growers that are growing canola in different areas that do things along a similar platform to what we do here, but it's different levels of investment and different understanding of their rotations in those environments. So certainly some countries align themselves with what Australian farmers do, but in my experience, a lot of the countries I've visited don't have anywhere near the same weather conditions or seasonal fluctuations that we do within the Australian climate. And our climate is a lot tougher and our farmers, to me, are a lot more savvy when it comes to growing not only canola but growing crops in general. So they have much to learn from how we um, crop in in Australia. I think they, they do, and when I've visited other countries, they certainly they do they do take away a lot of information and a lot of uh, advice from from what I present. But on the same token, I also find that there are things that I see in other countries which I think, oh, that looks quite interesting. That may be able to be applied in the Australian industry. Canada has the highest production of canola in the world. Um, what is it like over there and are there any learnings that, that, that um, Australian producers could learn from them? It's a little bit different environment, the Canadian environment. It's grown at the opposite time of the year to when we grow our canola. Effectively, it's grown in a lot shorter um, environment, as in time to grow the crop is, is a lot shorter. So therefore, the fundamentals of growing canola in Canada are quite different. Um, the varieties are all different. Uh, the genetic backgrounds are different. So the way that Canadian growers grow canola is, is actually, um, from an environmental point of view, is quite different. From an agronomic point of view, with the number of plants per square metre, the crop nutrition that's applied to the crop, the sprays that are applied for insect control and disease control, it's actually quite similar. But um, the, the, the things that I've learned from the Canadian marketplace is, is more so um, different ways of, of cultivating and different ways of managing canola crops um, in, in, a, in a totally different environment to what we have here in Australia. Yes, you've talked a bit about our unique climate. How does Australia's climate um, affect canola growers? The Australian climate, well, you've got to look at where the canola's grown. The canola's grown, the 2.4 million hectares is grown anywhere from uh, less than 250 millimetres growing season rainfall, which is from April to November each year, right through to something like 1,000 millimetres of growing season rainfall. So, the average canola yield in Australia is around about 1.44 tonnes per hectare, which is quite a bit lower than other countries. So we are growing our canola in an environment where you have a reasonably harsh winter, then followed by sometimes a dry and windy and frosty spring, and then finishing into a hot summer. So we are growing the canola in some reasonably harsh conditions. And that's why it's actually used in rotation with the other crops as, as a risk management tool. When we talk about hybrid varieties, um, they're still not as strong in Australia as it is, say, in Canada. Why is the uptake so different in Australia? Yeah, look, it's an interesting question because in the summer cropping industry in Australia, they've been predominantly 98 or 99, even 100% hybrids, depending on the crop species now for the last 40 or 50 years. In the winter cropping industry in Australia, where you have traditional wheat and barley growers, 
Um, canola has been brought in initially as open pollinated varieties, similar to wheat and barley back in the 1970s through to the early 1990s. And then as hybrids are introduced in Australia, you have a lot of growers in southern Australia where canola is popular that are quite cost conscious and risk adverse. So applying uh, the prices which are higher for hybrid seed into their input costs for growing a crop is, is a significant decision for them. So as opposed to the uh, summer croppers in Australia that are familiar with the pricing of hybrids and familiar with the advantages of summer crop hybrids, uh, winter cropping in Australia, those growers are, are quite, um, how do I put this, they're a lot more aware of their cost structure and they're, and they're a lot more risk adverse. So if they're going to spend money on hybrid seed, then they're going to need to be sure that that hybrid's going to outperform the open pollinated varieties and provide really good value for money. What are some of the benefits of the hybrids? Okay, so canola hybrids over open pollinated varieties, there's been quite a few studies to show that canola hybrids can have up to 50% higher early plant biomass, which leads to considerably higher levels of suppression of weeds in the crop with obviously without herbicides. So the reason why we then use herbicides is to add to that crop suppression effect from hybrids and then try and get ourselves somewhere between 85 to 98% weed control, depending on the different herbicide systems that are implemented. So one of the major advantages for hybrids is that early weed control and suppression. Then you move on to hybrids advantage of being actually it's actually the combination of two completely different lines and that enables us to get heterosis and heterosis is the combined effect of two lines in together giving you an increased yield potential than what an open pollinated variety can provide a farmer so you've now got increased plant biomass you've got the ability of the plant to send roots down deeper than the open pollinated varieties and search for water later in the season when the crops finishing and filling seeds and you've got the ability for that crop to provide better yield and higher oil. Justin, Pacific Seeds is about to embark on an exciting drone project, uh, research project. Can you tell us a bit about this? Certainly. Um, one of the things that Pacific Seeds has been looking at closely is some of the public or industry research that's been conducted over the last five years on canola phenology. So canola phenology is where um, Industry researchers are looking at how canola grows, how long it takes to grow, how many leaves, how fast those leaves grow, how high the plant gets, when it flowers, how long it flowers for. But the value of this sort of work to the farmer is in providing recommendations on sowing dates and improving the harvest predictability. And one of the things that we need to look at for growers in Australia because of our climate and the way it is, is that we need to be able to provide them as much information as possible on individual varieties in different areas of Australia to enable them to maximise the yields and the gross returns that they can get from growing those varieties. One way of doing that is to do a lot more research on phenology and how canola actually grows in different environments. And that's where the drones come in. So the drones come in in regards to the study that we have planned is that we would utilise up to 20 replicated research trials across the Australian canola environment. And the drones are then used using 
algorithms developed by in within the military forces to uh, determine as the crops are growing at different stages, different agronomic traits that farmers are interested in and that can be measured. These traits include plant population counts, plant early plant vigour, plant biomass, flowering time from start of flowering to the middle of flowering to the end of flowering, plant height, and then the amount of grain harvestable yield at the end of the season is also monitored. So the, the use of having drones in this is that it removes all of the physical side of things and having people there every week to do all of the measurements. And the drones can do a lot of the, the work for you. And then all of that information is in data format that's then sent back to our servers. Um, and lastly, Justin, where do you see the future of canola in Australia in the next five to ten years? Well, canola is an interesting crop because the obviously the main product coming from canola is the oil coming out of the seed, which is crushed out of the seed and then used in a number of different marketplaces. And that is the bottled oils uh, industry for your fat frying. It's the margarine industry and also canola oils or, or what we call modified fatty acids in the canola oils is also now used in mining industries and some other industries pharmaceutical industries so it's quite exciting to know that the canola industry is now not just a food article it's also an industrial oil and has other applications and other purposes in society what you'll see in the future is canola will probably expand a little bit more in australia and there will be more alternatives for farmers to grow for different end uses. So you'll have maybe four or five different end uses for canola instead of the current one or two that, that, that growers are familiar with. And that's the exciting part about the canola industry is that you have lots of new varieties coming through, new genetics, new traits that farmers can apply and use in their, in their farming enterprises. But at the same time, there'll be new opportunities for them to grow crops for specific purposes, for different end product, end uses, and not only here for Australia, but for markets across the world. This podcast is brought to you by Pacific Seeds Grain Sorghum Hybrid Solutions for all growing environments.